Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Christy Lee here. Welcome to episode number 163 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Great to have you here today, and I'm excited that I have a guest joining us here on the podcast. Today, we are being joined by Brett White from Be Leaders. Now, if you think that name sounds familiar, you will be right. Brett has been on the podcast before. He is a returning guest, and Brett is a leadership expert who works with emerging leaders in particularly in Australia as well as overseas. He does a lot of work in uh, Cambodia, particularly and across Southeast Asia, in helping emerging leaders navigate that process and develop their leadership skills. And when I invited him here on the podcast today, I said, what would you like to chat about? Because I had a few ideas, but Brett had an even better idea. And he wanted to talk to us about leader behavior. And I thought it was such an awesome topic to have a conversation about. Brett has been doing a lot of research in this space very recently, having conversations with leaders, both emerging and current leaders, and is writing some really interesting content uh, about leader behavior. And I think it's interesting for a few reasons, and I was really excited to have this conversation with Brett. Um, And that is because um, we all know that people follow what we do and not what we say. Our ability to lead by example is critically important when it comes to our leadership. And I was really interested to hear about the work that Brett has been doing in this space. And in today's discussion, he shares with us um, a lot of what he's been learning in his research uh, about the 15 core leader behaviors that he um, has started to identify as being critical and how important leadership behavior is when it comes to employee engagement, the relationship we have with our teams, and ultimately building trust, creating alignment, and building healthy cultures within our organizations. So I knew it was going to be an interesting discussion. Now, if you haven't heard the previous discussions I've had I've had with Brett before. He is an accredited coach. Uh, He works in the worlds of thought dynamics and organizational leaderships, and he runs online and face-to-face workshops, um, as I said, throughout Australia, New Zealand, Pakistan, Singapore, Cambodia. He has written two books, which he tells us about in the podcast, and he has worked with hundreds of organizations, leaders, and influencers on their leadership skills. So without further ado, let's welcome Brett to the podcast. Brett, hi. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. You're a returning guest on the podcast, <laughs> and that always means that we have great conversations. So I appreciate you coming back on. And I really love the topic, actually, that you've chosen for today's uh, podcast episode, because today we're going to talk about leadership behavior or the behavior of our leaders. And I think it's this, we could probably record 10 podcast episodes yeah, on this topic, so. <laughs> to be fair. But before we dive into it, why don't you let uh, everyone know a little bit about yourself, the work that you do, and, and who you serve? Yeah, sure. Um, so I run my own business called Be Leaders, which basically focuses on organisational health and, and leader development. Um, and I guess for me over the last eight years, my emphasis more and more and more has been focusing on, you know, those 
organizational culture and how a leader's behavior, a leader's, you know, way of doing leadership connects with uh, healthy culture and healthy outcomes. And so a lot of the work I find myself doing now really is focusing on um, developing, you know, a leader's way of doing leadership as opposed to what they do. And so um, I think that's been a really significant shift in what I do uh, as a consultant, I guess, in that space. Um, so, yeah, like you have had a little podcast, uh, <laughs> you know, this, I mean, there's a lot of things that we do that very much connect um, as we just sort of chatted for a while before this. So, um, yeah, and I've written a couple of books, um, one around mindsets, uh, for young people and one around uh, navigating the kind of gap between our current reality and our dream, you know, mm. that that like what I call a lacuna, um, which is kind of that unfilled space between those two points. And I think I wrote wrote that book just as COVID started, not realising how, um, in, <laughs> how kind of important that message was going to be for so many people. Um, so, yeah, so that's 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 been good. And at the moment, as I said to you earlier, I'm developing, you know, some content um, specifically relating to helping leaders understand and develop effective behaviour. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great stuff to be focusing on. And we were chatting earlier about this real shift in the industry generally in, a, in the market about developing leadership skills versus understanding what leadership is about, which is about relationships and it's about yeah you know, how we are showing up and everyone can have their own unique leadership style, but there are certain ways of behaving as a leader that are going to have different impacts on on your people. And, you know, I work in the world of HR, which means employees coming in and out of businesses. And after doing that for more than 20 years, I can tell you definitely people leave leaders, not jobs. So the leadership piece is what helps people make decisions about whether they're staying or not staying or coming to a business. So um, it's very, very relevant. So if we just, I guess, unpack at the higher level, I know you've been doing a lot of research in this space, when we're talking about leader behaviour, are we talking about every single aspect of behaviour? Is it right down to tone of voice and eye rolling and the words we use and all of those things? Or is there a specific definition that is sort of framed around this leader behaviour piece? I mean, there's probably more than one answer, but I think... um... If leadership skill or capacity is what we do as a leader, then leader behaviour is the way we do it and kind of who we are as a person while we do it. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to develop good leadership skills, Mm -hmm. but it's also important to understand that you can be, for example, you can be a great communicator from a skill perspective Mm -hmm. but if your behavior is crap for example your your ability to communicate effectively is reduced and the impacts that that has actually become negative so you might have you know the skill of communication or you might have the skill of decision making or you might be a good time manager but if your behavior is unhealthy, disconnected, um, toxic, controlling, um, or or just not healthy in the way that you you know enact those things, so the 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 way you do uh, mm. time management, for example, um, it has negative impacts on culture and people. And so, in a sense, it's understanding that 
while results are critical and I would say but relationships are more critical. And so mm. focusing on the relationship as a priority actually gives you better results, um, which is interesting because out there, particularly in the corporate world, you know, we are still focused on results. It's all around, you know, KPIs and it doesn't matter how I behave, I'll get rewarded if I hit my KPIs. And I just think that's unhealthy. And mm. and some of my research has been just having conversations with emerging leaders, mm. young leaders, and what they're looking for in senior leaders in organisations that they want to work for. And it's all about the relationship. It's all about how they're treated. It's all about the behaviour of their leader, manager, uh, supervisor, CEO, or whatever the context is. And so, you know, at a high level, it it touches every part of what a leader does mm. is how they behave while they do it. Um, yeah. You know, from visioning uh, to self-leadership to leading teams that, you know, for me, the leader behaviour connects with all of that. Mm. It's really interesting that you mentioned this research that you've done a little bit into that. And these discussions that you've had with these emerging young leaders, I was having a conversation with some other uh, business leaders just this morning actually around is there a generational difference? Because we know that the younger generations coming into the workforce have very different expectations about what work is to them and where it fits in with their life. And this connection, this greater good, this feeling, uh, a sense of contribution, I guess, is really, yeah. really important to them, as is communicating in different ways to what, you know, possibly we would have expected entering a workforce. Do you think that generationally this is pushing some of this change towards relationships or do you think it, it crosses all generations? Um, I, I think to a certain degree it crosses all generations, but I also would agree that the younger generations are pushing something that is different. I think, you know, I look at my my generation, so mid-50s, um, you, people would just work for the sake of work. It was didn't really matter if there was a connection as much as long as they got paid and, um, you know, they were treated reasonably okay. I mean, I look at back at some of the environments I worked in as a young person, They were, the culture was atrocious, like abusive and so toxic. But, you know, you'd, that was just what the norm was in a sense. You got, you got paid, you did your job, you went home. Um, I think that has changed a lot. I think... Um, but I also think older generations have sort of like some of that change. I mean, I know I do personally. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, you think about the whole employee engagement piece and, you know, I was saying before, you know, at the moment I think globally we're at about 20% engagement. So there's only 20% of employees are engaged in the workplace globally, which to me is a small very small percentage. I agree. And yeah, so there's 80% of the employees and, and and in Australia it's about 21 or 23%. So it's not that much higher than the global stats. Mm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of people going to work that are not engaged. And I think for some the older generations that didn't matter as much. Yeah. But I think the younger generations, they want to be in a place where, as you said, they contribute to something bigger than just their role, that they feel like they're a part of something that's making a difference, you know, that they appreciated and valued, supported, that they have a voice. And so if they're not getting that, 
um, they're not going to be engaged. They may stay in those workplaces for a season, but they won't stay long, which I'm sure you're experiencing yes. <laughs> uh, in your workplace. Um, you know, I, I talk about um, employee engagement simply with people, you know, they love what they do, they mm-hmm. enjoy who they do it with, and they do it well. Yep. Those three things for me are sort of a simplified version of what, what it means to be engaged at work. And the whole enjoy who they do it with predominantly connects to their supervisor or their boss. Um, it's the number one contributing factor to disengagement is leadership. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and and not the skill of the leader, the behavior of the leader um, or the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I find those engagement stats just staggering in a way. And also, there's so much money being left on the table if you've got yeah. that level of disengagement or non-engagement in your employees. I mean, we know that high engagement drives productivity. It has impacts on profitability. So there's a direct business case for working on employee engagement in the first place. Mm. So it's not, this is not a warm and fuzzy. This is an actual genuine business resource and, and way to engage, to, I guess, work with people to get you know, better results and more output as well. So um, that's almost scary, <laughs> that level of Yeah, I agree. It does my head in because, mm. um, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I mean, you, I think, you know, they're talking about, you know, people, a lot of people leaving works, getting new jobs. It's kind of, and I've seen it in a lot of yep. the clients that I work with. There's been like this massive sort of turnover. Um, and I think a lot of that is connected to this engagement piece. Um, but, you know, as you said, you know, the higher the level of engagement in the workplace, you know, less, less staff turnover, yep. higher retention, lower recruitment costs, you know, that high, higher performing teams, the efficiency, productivity, pro- profitability, that, you know, yep. they all go up. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe it's critical that um, organisations are looking at how do we develop the behaviour of our leaders because it's so interconnected um, to the overall output and engagement of, of a team, of a workplace, of an organisation? Mm. And when you talk about healthy businesses, healthy cultures in businesses, a healthy culture is one that can survive all sorts of things being thrown at it, isn't it? It's a culture that is robust, that is obviously positive and engaged and all those things, but it's also a protective mechanism in a way, having a protect a healthy culture in your business. Because that's a yeah. really interesting framing to put around culture um, is to have a, a healthy culture. Is that how you view having a healthy culture in a business? Yeah, absolutely. I think healthy culture doesn't is not like the absence of conflict or it doesn't mean that things won't go bad or, you know, that they'll have down times profitability-wise. You know, it, it, what it does mean, though, is that in those times... Yeah. Um, we we continue to behave in ways that build trust. We continue to behave in ways that, you know, um, support and invite adaptability and creativity and innovation yeah. um, in, in healthy and productive ways. Like we're constantly looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, you know, how can we do it better? It means healthy culture means I'm open to critical feedback and I'm not, um, offended when someone says, "Oh, you probably need to have a look at this and do that differently or better." Um, healthy culture invites critical feedback because there's a high level of trust, um, a high level of buy-in, and you know a sense of 
you know, th- this what I'm doing is important and I'm a part of um, something that is healthy and productive and, you know, making a difference, whether that's just making a difference in technology or yeah. agriculture or it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean yeah. that, you know, you're, you're saving people's lives. It doesn't have to be to that extreme, but it yeah. needs to be healthy cultures about I know, you know, why we do what we do and it's important. Um, and so, yeah, I think the healthy culture, as you said, is really about not just means that, you know, everything's great and we don't have problems and yeah. there's no issues and we don't have conflict and we don't, you know, have to deal with tough things. It just yeah. means that that when those things come, if you have a healthy culture, you have a much higher capacity um, to be resilient. You have a much um, more openness to innovation and creativity, um, you know, and I think those things are really critical in what helps an organisation flourish even when it's a bad day, even yes. when it's a hard season. Um, mm. An organisation can still flourish and grow and develop because the culture is strong and the culture is healthy. There's high resilience, high trust, high yeah. engagement. Yeah, absolutely. One of the simplest ways that I've seen culture kind of unpacked is the Simon Sinek uh, quote where it's just values plus behaviours equals culture. Because okay. I get asked a lot about creating culture and changing culture and, and that really, if you just get it down to its simplest form, it's what are our values, how do we behave, that's going to determine what our culture is. Oh, there and you if, go. So he's talking about behaviour um, yeah, again. Exactly. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that quote, but I do follow a lot of his stuff, but I haven't heard him say that directly. So that's a I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and because I love that behaviours piece because it's, yeah. it's how we behave in the workplace and if that applies across our team, it, it applies even more so to our leaders and how they're behaving because if our leaders aren't behaving consistently and in a way that is, you know, positive and, and all the other things, our culture is going to be off and that's going to have all those flow-on effects as well. Absolutely. Interesting. And I think the other thing about behaviours that I love is that it's mm-hmm. not dependent on your position, your education, your gender, your status, your age, your title, your experience. It's, you know, anybody can develop healthier behaviours. Um, and so for me, I, I love the idea that it's, you know, this is not just something that a CEO can do or needs to do. It's actually something that everybody needs to learn and develop um, and growing is the way the way we behave. Why we show up, absolutely. absolutely. What, what are some of the, I guess, when in the research that you've been doing, in the work you've been doing in this space, I'm really curious about what are, are there common traps or pitfalls or mistakes that keep showing up over and over again when it comes to leaders' behaviour behavior in the workplace? Are you seeing common threads there? Uh, yes, definitely, because I think, um, you know, as we learn to grow and develop sort of key behaviours. My focus is really trying to help people understand what are the, what's the daily things I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, learning to grow and develop, say, one of the key behaviours I think that is missing a lot in leaders is empathy, for example. Um, and so I think it's really important that leaders develop empathy, but what does that actually look like? Does that mean I have to be soft and fluffy? Um, you know, not at all. Um, does that mean I can't be strong? Not at all. So it's understanding what are the daily practices, I guess, I can apply to actually help me grow that kind of empathy muscle as a leader. Um, and I think, for example, the lack of empathy 
for me would be, again, one of those kind of traits that I see in, in kind of high level. It's almost like when you get to a certain level of leadership, you no longer have to be uh, empathetic anymore. It's because I think that's culturally what we felt we need to be. Um, and part of that, I think, is like connected to your question is about leadership awareness because I'm acting and behaving in ways that are connected maybe to some of my own, um, you know, behavioural blind spots, some of my own, you know, issues that I need to deal with, the, the need for control, the need to be heard, the need to be seen. Um, and so I think as the leader grows and develops, they have to not only understand and develop some of these sort of core behaviours and learn how do I behave in a way that's going to be the most effective, but what what stops me from doing that? Mm. Um, and I think those kind of conversations with leaders are courageous, uh, they can be quite confronting, but they're the conversations that need to happen um, because there are particularly around, you know, that kind of high-level leadership, there is a lot of, I think, misguided and misunderstood expectations of what a leader should be mm. and and what's connected to that. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I still think we've got a long way to go yeah. um, because I do see a lot of leaders acting badly. <laughs> yeah, oh, um- I agree. I agree with you. And do you think it's in part our experience has formed our expectations of how we should behave when we, if we've been climbing that ladder, we climb against the leadership role. I remember that the other people that we've seen their leadership roles, we possibly haven't behaved particularly well. Are we modelling behaviour on what we've seen in our experience rather than what we perhaps even think is right personally? Is are we seeing a bit of that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we do. We we do behave in ways that we've learned. Mm. Um, you know, so for example, you know, growing up, if you've never seen or been exposed to dealing with conflict in a healthy way, then you just take that on. And until somebody tells you that that's actually not appropriate yeah. um, or not effective, then yeah. you don't necessarily know that because you just you know, you're just taking on what you've what you've learned by observation or, you know, by those people around you. And it would be in essence the same in leadership. Yeah. Um, it's because we think that leaders should be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think a lot of that is actually misguided and wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, what does it mean for a leader to be assertive, for example? Doesn't mean they can't be kind. Yes. I can't be generous. I think. Leaders do need to be assertive. I think it's a, you know, it's a really important behavior, in my opinion, of a great leader. But it's not, um, it's not negative. The absence of yeah, those other right. things. Yeah. I can still be kind. I can still be generous. I can still be invitational. I can still be a great listener. I can still be all those things and be assertive. But for some unknown reason, at that leadership level, I think we feel like, oh, to be a leader or a team leader or a manager or a supervisor, I've got to be a hard nut. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to kick people's butts. Um, yep. and sure, there may be times when you have to kick people's butts, but there's a way of doing that. Mm. Um, that to me is still empowering of those people that you are working with and alongside. Mm. Um, so again, it comes back to 
not the what you do, but the way that you are doing it and who you are as a person when you do it. I mean, it's interesting. When I asked young people, I said, you know, if you think about the leader who has impacted you the most in a positive way or a negative way in your journey so far, was it the skill of that leader that impacted you or was it their behavior? 99.9% behavior, behavior, yeah. behavior. Yeah, I think it's it's it, we can see it as common sense, but the reality is it's not common sense. It's not happening in practice in workplaces. No. Do you think part of the issue is a self awareness piece as well? Are leaders, I know some of the leaders I work with, when we sort of shine a light onto a few things that you know maybe they've been on autopilot or they just haven't thought in that way, when they become aware of perhaps a blind spot or how they've been communicating or the impact of the language they've used or the, the direct tone that they've used, it's like a light bulb goes off, I often think. Do you think we're not doing enough self-awareness work with leaders? Uh, absolutely, because I think the the self-awareness piece is so critical because you can't create change around something you're not aware of. Yeah. And so, therefore, if you don't have the awareness, you'd go exactly what you said. You sort of you we've picked up habits or methods or ways of being as a leader that are ineffective or, you know, and again, a lot of the time it's not that the leader is deliberately trying to be yeah. controlling or manipulative or selfish or rude or whatever. Mm. It's just it's all they know. And yeah. so um, to, to then point that out to them, to me that awareness piece is probably the starting point mm. for behavioural change because you can't change behaviour you're not aware of. And so... But, see, that takes some courage and it also takes a bit of a desire to want to be better um, and and not just stay where, you know, and, and particularly I think for leaders, experienced leaders that have been around for a long time, they're kind of, you know, quite can be quite stuck. This has always yes. worked, so why do I need to change? And there's nothing wrong with the way, you know, and so that conversation and journey can be quite challenging, but I do feel more and more that the senior leaders are becoming more and more open to that conversation mm. um, because I think they are they they can't deny really what they're hearing anymore. Surely, yes. Um, and and the things seeing. that I'm seeing certainly with the younger generations, they're not afraid to be very no. about how they're feeling and what they're thinking and what's important to them. Where generations before were a little bit more. Um, tight-lipped in terms of even if they did feel a certain way, they wouldn't necessarily speak up about that until it was catastrophically bad. You know, younger people coming into the workforce these days will tell us at interviews exactly what they're yeah. expecting and what they're wanting yeah. and uh, what's important and, and what value uh, that has to them. So you know, those leaders, even if they are stuck in their ways, if they've got the pop, their finger on the pulse, they must be hearing the same message over and over again. And I'm certainly seeing leaders very willing to to make change certainly yeah. younger leaders especially they're, they've got this thirst for wanting to understand better what they should be doing how they should be doing it uh that I, i'm certainly seeing that desire for change which yeah for sure right you need to understand that and so i know you're working on a whole range of different leadership behaviors that are, are important across the board you've mentioned empathy yeah and there are a few others that you've done a lot of work around or you're here, you know, in your research you found out that um, that you think are really important for every leader in terms of behaviour? Yeah, so you mentioned one before, so awareness mm. um, for me is a key 
behavior that I believe, you know, leaders need to learn and develop. Um, so they need to learn how to be reflective. They need to learn how to, you know, think through their behavior and ask the right questions. Um, curiosity would be another one that I think is really important for leaders to develop as a behavior, the behavior of curiosity. Uh, I think, you know, inclusion is really important. Obviously, that's a, again, it's a, it's a, it's a big kind of talking point around, um, businesses and organizations at the moment but what does it mean for me to behave in an inclusive way um and then other things like innovation adaptability uh building trust um alignment in teams uh for me you know there's there's some of the the key behaviors that i think are important Mm. um and then and then some even the practical things like decision making as i said before and communication are more, they feel like they're more skill-driven, but there's still a set of behaviours that I believe is really important for leaders to develop. So, yes, what we do as a, you know, a good communicator, but then the way we do that. Um, Mm. You know, so one example would be inclusion. You know, so when someone is communicating, are they thinking about, um, the inclusive part of their communication. So, are, yep. are they including the right people um, in the in the in their way, their behaviour of communication? And so, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I sort of looked into the whole behavioural leadership theory, mm-hmm. um, which has been around since 1930. And there's there were two main kind of behavioural leadership theories. One kind of focused is focused on um, kind of like the task orientated behaviors and one on the relationship orientated behaviors. And then more recently, there's been more, um, a couple that they've added around innovation and sort of transformational leadership. But it's interesting because they say, you know, if a leader can develop strong, healthy behaviors in one of those areas, they can be an effective leader. But they, but I've also then read if a leader can develop healthy behavior across that, so more of a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in my tasks, but yes, in my relationships, and yes, in my um, innovation, if I can develop healthy behaviors across all of those, then I will have the capacity to be able to be the most successful and at the highest level. And so it's not like we haven't talked about the importance of behavioural leadership um, and how a leader behaves before, but I do feel like it's kind of got put on the kind of down the bottom somewhere as not an an intentional focus. Um, And so we've really focused, I think, in the last 20 years around, uh, you know, knowledge, uh, learning, um, technical ability um, and leadership skill. And I think that's partly why we're at where we're at yeah employee engagement it's interesting because i think what we were calling behavior is probably now what we would call leadership skills and leadership strategies like communication where what you know what you're talking about here with behavior in in terms of how we do what we do how we show up and all the nuances and, and it sounds like there's a lot in there that's a very different approach, I think, to behaviour, and I think it's much more aligned with what we know and understand to be behaviour from a you know behavioural psych perspective as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I loved that you mentioned curiosity because I talk about that 
a lot and it seems a bit woo-woo to, to a lot of people I talk to about it that, you know, I, I give people this uh, framework for having a curious conversation with their team member to actually try and get to the bottom of what's happening before we are performance managing or we're dealing with other issues. And it's a real block for a lot of managers and leaders um, that I work with to have a curious conversation. It's something that they just hadn't considered being curious about what might what, what's the experience this employee is having in this moment yeah. because we're dealing with the symptoms or behaviours that we're seeing and we're making assumptions quite often about what's leading to that without being truly curious and being willing then to listen because I think that I, I'm hearing that a lot. From, from employees is they want to be heard, which you've mentioned a few times today. Oh, absolutely. So important to them. Um, but curiosity, I think, is a superpower we all have. <laughs> and I think I think as we get older, we are not as good as when we were younger okay. at using our curiosity. So I, I was really glad you mentioned that one because I think... Because I think we do, as you're right, we get a little bit kind of set in our ways. And I think, again, I would agree that I, I see leaders dealing with employees or an issue at work or whatever it might be and they've made a whole series of kind of deductions and conclusions and go into a situation to you know I'm going to make these decisions and make these changes and blah blah blah. but they haven't been curious at all Um, and because of that they've missed a whole piece of what's going on and so um, I think yeah I mean I talk about it as well a lot with leaders about you know, try to be curious for that little bit longer. Mm. Um, ask that one more question. Uh, you know, I mean, I think to myself how it would, how it feels for an, an employee or, or someone, you know, on your team mm. to be actually asked questions curiously makes such and, and such an empowering thing, right? Mm. Um, instead of just making decisions and deductions, um, to be curious about what's going on for people, what other people think what their, you know, creative piece is in that process um, I think is absolutely critical. And and I think more and more young people are, they respond to a leader who is curious, genuinely curious, not just in what they can do but in who they are as a person. In who they are and what's important to them, both in and outside of work, because until you have that understanding, you're not going to be able to shop for them as a leader in the way that they need you to, you're not going to be aware of what's happening so that you can, you know, possibly help navigate that. There's just yeah. a flow-on effects. But um, I definitely see that, yes, younger people have got a thirst for it, but everyone who, you know, is in the receiving end of an actual curious discussion where someone is really interested in finding more, um, sometimes if they haven't had that experience before, I say to the managers I'm working with, you might need to try this a couple of times. You might not get very far in the first meeting because they're not used to opening up because you haven't given them that forum, that environment before. Um, but they're so appreciative of feeling like they sometimes don't even want you to do anything. They just want to feel yeah. hurt. Yeah. So um, I think it is, that's a really big one. So if, if you're a, if we've got a leader listening right now, an emerging leader or a, a seasoned veteran leader, and, and they want to start to look at behaviour and maybe making change, Where's a good starting point? What's a, a somewhere that they can start to get into this a little further? It's a really good question. And I think at the moment there's not heaps out there mm. um, that people can access. 
Um, you know, as I said earlier, I'm I'm kind of in the early stages of developing some content, focusing on kind of 15 key behaviors that I believe uh, you know leaders need to develop and build into their leadership journey. Um, I, I mean, I, and I said this to you before. I just read the the outline to John Maxwell's latest book called Leadership Shift, and I think he touches on very similar content of what we're talking mm. about, you know, the the importance of leaders, you know, focusing on relationship over results and people over process. And even I think to the, you know, um, not on individual performance, but on team development. Mm. Um, and so there, I think, yeah, there's not huge amounts of um, content that I've sort of come across, um, which I think, needs to change yeah um there's a gap there for sure yeah there's definitely a gap i mean it's interesting um i I read in harvard business review that you know saying that you know the need for different leadership development has never been more urgent and so this sense of we kind of know we need to do this differently yeah um so you know what what's stopping us um i mean obviously as you said you know simon sinek uh some of the brene brown work Adam Grant, um, mm. there's some there's some people out there that are kind of talking about this, and so yeah. you know there's there's definitely things out there, but I would say for a leader, your starting point is awareness, and yeah. you know you don't need to go to a course or read a book um, to be reflective, to ask yourself key questions every day, every week. You know, you know I do this personally, so I my advice to other leaders would be ask yourself at least once a week be reflective and go, you know, what have been my key learnings this week as a leader? Um, You know, whether, what did I learn from that conflict? What did I learn from that challenge? I also do like, you know, when I look back on my day or my week, is there anything that I could have done different or better? Mm. So I'm constantly trying to look at how I've managed situations or challenges or whatever, or communication moments. Could have I done that different or better? Um, and then I, I do weekly gratitudes as well, just as a way of, you know, what is it I can be sort of grateful for as a leader? Mm. And so I think that reflective awareness piece, um, try and build some of those, I guess, less obvious leadership um, behaviours like curiosity yeah. and empathy and building trust Um you know, there, they, there are things that you can read about. How do I become a better listener? How do I, you know, build better alignment? How do I continue to be a good learner? Um, you know, how can I grow in my curiosity? Sometimes it's just as simple as asking more questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely things that leaders can do every day and engage in every day that will help them grow and become more effective in their behaviour. Amazing. That's awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you, maybe get on a wait list for this new uh, content that's coming out uh, towards the end of the year, <laughs> what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, so they can just click on our website, which is just bleaders.com.au, um, or they can email me, bread at bleaders.com.au. Uh, I'd love to connect with people if they're interested to know more about it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping uh, that there will be some online content available. I've actually just started doing all the the kind of core content videos. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. 
yeah, it, look, I think there's absolutely a gap there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see that come out and we've just given you a deadline of getting it done now. <laughs> <That's> so. <right. laughs> okay, now I'm going to have to do some work. <laughs> it will be done, exactly. Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to have you here again and, and we might get you back on once this is all live and uh, learn yeah. more about it. It's been wonderful to see you again and connect and have a great chat as always. Thanks, Brett. What a fascinating conversation. Uh, As I think you may have noticed, Brett and I could chat all day long about this particular topic, and I'm really excited to see his research come to light later in the year around these 15 core leader behaviours, and we'll certainly get that info to you when that uh, becomes available. Um, But I just really loved the discussion that we had about these different leadership behaviours, curiosity, of course, is something I, you know, grabbed straight onto because it's something we've spoken about here on the podcast before. And it's such an important superpower we have as leaders to be more curious. So I really appreciate Brett joining us today. And I really hope you've gotten something out of that discussion around leadership behavior. Now, if you would like to connect with Brett, all of his details will be in today's show notes. You can grab those wherever you're listening to this episode of the podcast, or you can simply head over to beleaders.com.au. Now, as always, if you would like to continue the conversation about leader behavior or if you'd like to connect with other like-minded business owners, leaders and managers, please come over and join us in our free Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. If you search Facebook groups for that, you will find us. But the link, of course, as always, is in today's show notes for you. That is it for me for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brett and I'll chat to you again next week on the People Powered Business Podcast. 